everybody. It's Jack Graham and John Peterson with another version of We Talk Photography. Actually, it's We Talk Photo. We Talk Things Photo, things, you bet. Things, uh, but um, tonight we have a very, very, very interesting uh, podcast. This is the first one we've really done with multiple guests. And uh, there's a total of, uh, including John and I, eight folks here. It should be interesting tonight, Jack. Or here. No, it's going to be great. Yeah. And, the reason we're here um, is real simple. A few weeks ago, I spent some time down with Bill and Fortney, and we were talking about um, the trends in software and some of the things that are going on um, in the world of manipulation and deception photography. I know those terms are probably more negative than I want to make them sound, but, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on these days that are intentional, unintentional, uh, what have you, and everybody's got some kind of view on this. And rather than bring in, you know, um, some great guests that we've had that are really well-known, like Scott uh, Kelby and, and Guy Tal and some of the other folks that either have been on or will be, you know, I figured it would be really a cool thing to bring in some, you know, just some regular old folks who I know real well, great people, and just get kind of the man in the streets view on what's going on because, you know, um, we sometimes um, don't pay too much attention to that, and I, I think it's pretty good. So without further ado, I'm just going to go down a list and tell you who's here. Some of you who listen to this have done my workshops and will know some of these folks, some of them won't, and I can tell you that um, I wish I could put everybody on. Um, these guys came to my mind uh, quickly because either, you know, we get some texts now and then or we see each other quite a bit. We talk often. And I think you'll enjoy their uh, their input. First of all, we have from Austin, Texas, Dudley Hawthorne. Dudley was with us in Alaska. Um, Dudley works for a bank with no money and makes no loans. It's an amazing thing. But then again, so do some people I know in New Jersey. That's another thing. For that. Um, from Detroit area, Mike, where do you live so I don't get the town wrong? Uh, West Bloomfield. You had to think about that. That is Mike Cooper, sometimes known as Mike Cooper, sometimes known as the Cropper. I guess if you cross Cooper and Cropper, you get Cooper. But uh, we affectionately sometimes call Mike Cropper. I have to tell you in all honesty, Mike's a great photographer and uh He's, uh, he is getting away from that and doing some really good work, as we have seen. Um, from Bloomington, Indiana, uh, we've got we've got we've got you know, we actually have two and a half IU guys here. Uh, we have two myself, <laughs> somebody else, and then we have Neil Powell who has a, a degree, um, a post grad degree in business from Indiana. So he's like two and a half. But Neil's another great photographer, great friend. Um, used to live in Portland and used to live in Bloomington while he's teaching there for a couple of years. Great to have Neil. Um, <clears throat> from yes, can we listen to the call? Um, from <laughs> from uh, is it Aptos, Doug? Los Gatos, Los Gatos, California. Yeah, from Los Gatos, California. Doug Hayden, one of my really great friends. Uh, we like a lot of vinyl music. We um, do a lot of things together and uh, always love when Doug's with us. And then we have Tom Roper from uh, from Toledo, Ohio. 
and Chris Lapique, who is the uh, the uh, brains and the owner of OutdoorPhotoGear.com, and we'll, of course, John and I thank you all for being here. Um, we're going to do this like the it's okay, uh, guys. We're going to give you all like two minutes, and just basically, I, I know it might be a little repetitive, but just basically, can you give us your idea on uh, where where your um, where your uh, level is in terms of what you do and what you won't do to a So, Jack, I, I would almost say before we open this up, let's just kind of get some framework together for a lot of folks. You know, when we talk about manipulation, that's cropping, that's, you know, sky replacement, that's editing out or content aware fill, um, annoying subjects. It's all those things that we do to sort of manipulate the photo post-capture Aside from basic, um, I think, photo processing, like, you know, hue, saturation, colors, curves, all those sort of basic adjustments, um, it's, it's things that are above and beyond that. And it's really what we're trying to do is get a gauge of where everybody falls on the spectrum. Because as we've talked to a lot of folks, everybody's got different comfort levels of how much of the image they're willing to edit and still feel comfortable that it's a photograph and not a digital piece of art, that type of thing. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, let's start off with uh, Dudley down in Austin, Texas. Okay. Be happy to get going. Uh, you know, as y'all mentioned, it is very subjective, and, and I'll be, I struggle with it as well in terms of having a black and white definition, I guess, you know, which you kind of made the point is that, I do get a little frustrated people talk about manipulation and they go, well, I take my share of the camera. Well, you know, I think Jackie said it. I mean, that people have been manipulating photographs since day one, maybe the dark room or someplace else. You can find samples of some of the master's works online that show them marked up about lighten this, darken that, all this kind of stuff. So it, it really gets down to one overall deal is say what you did in terms of deal. And I guess for me, it's really, if you're really changing the, if you will, the subject or the context, like to me, a sky replacement is something you clearly need to say. You know, if you're darkening a rock in the water so it doesn't have quite as brightness, eh, I get a little fuzzy there because I'm not really, if, that's, if the rock is a subject, that's one thing, but if the rock is just part of the world picture and the color fall foliage in the background is the main subject, well, you just trying to keep distraction, then I guess, you know, I don't have as much problem doing that, to be honest with you. Uh, so, it, you know, it gets to some level, and, and, and I think it somewhat depends on the photograph, because if you've got, I'll use an example, I've got the uh, a picture from the Alaska trip, essentially a full-frame picture of a bear walking at me. So, you know, if I went and placed a, a fish in, in his mouth, then that would clearly be manipulation. But if I go through and I lighten his eyes a little bit to get a more catch light or something like that, you know, that's, you know, I don't, you know, I guess I wouldn't have as much problem with that. So it's really more of a context of how much you affect in the main subject of the, of the, of the photograph, whether it is. And even then, if somebody asks you, did you do anything to the picture? Yeah, I did. You know, I lightened this or darkened that or whatever. And so that's why I, you know, some of these contests that would, you know, they got to have, you got to have the original picture. Well, you know, as I think it's part of this discussion, what is the original picture these days? 
you know, some of the ones like the one from, I think it was England, where the guy put a stuffed anteater in the picture, <laughs> you know, clearly that's over the top in my book uh, yep. Yep. type deal. So, you know, it, it, it is a fine line. It's subjective. Uh, you know, I, I find it also a lot of times the, and I don't know if anybody fits this deal on this call, but some of the younger generation, the millennials, they're much more free with what they do because they've got the, you know, the, all the automatic filters and stuff they do on the phone and everything else. And they don't, they just seem that's part of the natural deal. And I don't know that I can go that far. So I guess in a nutshell, you know, it's just the primary subject is not really altered or changed or significant part of it, such as a sky replacement. Uh, I don't have as big a problem taking a branch out of the way, darkening a rock, that sort of thing. But, you know, but there again, if somebody asked me, did I do anything? I have no problem telling them what I did. Cool. Thank, thanks, Dudley. I think I think the one thing I would add to that, not to not to jump on everybody's comments when they come as a co-host, but I, I will in this case. I think I think a really important thing is also the intent of the photograph. Are we trying to make quote unquote exactly. fine art photographs, or yeah. are we trying to do something for Instagram? I think that's the. Um, I think that's a little bit of the difference too with millennials and Instagram. It's it's all it's they're not trying to create art. Yeah, where a lot of the stuff that we yeah. do, we're, we're, we're trying to create art. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, let's yep. uh, switch over to, uh, how about Chris? Why don't you pick it up from here, Mr. Klopik? Sure thing. Um, I was going to chime in with, with just what John said, uh, the framework of what you're shooting the image for <clears throat> kind of determines, you know, what, what you can do to it and what you can. And personally, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist, although I have to say I crop because I'm mainly a wildlife and bird photographer. And sometimes that's necessary, but I get a big thrill out of not uh, having to alter the image that much. Conversely, if I've got to do an image for my business, it's a different purpose. So I'll do anything I need to do to that image to convey the message that, that I want to. But it's it's two different reasons to make that image. And and comparing Instagram to fine art, it's kind of the, kind of the same analogy. So uh, I think you have your personal preferences, and then then you have. Uh, what are you creating the image for? And those two things drive what, what you might want to do and what you don't do. Obviously, it's a sliding scale, and some people stop at one point, some people stop at another point, and it's all a personal preference. But but I'd like to go back to John's comment and frame it with what why you're creating that image. I think that kind of determines what you can you can uh, how far you can manipulate it or not. I totally agree. Um, Mike Cooper. Said it right. See that? There you go. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of follow on the same uh, steps as what Dudley and Chris have been saying. It's like, you know, I think there's really no substitute to when you're out in the field taking a picture of something. You know, take take an extra couple seconds, move around a little bit. If there's something distracting the picture, you know, reframe it so it's not there. You know, but there's always the, the times where you just can't do that, and that's you know where I'm willing to go in and and take something out. But I'm I'm really kind of a minimalist as well. I don't really like to do a whole lot of editing, you know, quite frankly, I'm not very good at it. You know, the tools have gotten so good that you can actually do a really good job with content aware and other tools of removing things. But, um, you know, swapping out skies and stuff like that, you know, I think that's really kind of over the top and especially, uh, adding something to the picture that was never there. I mean, realize in the past, you know, multiple exposures and stuff, people were doing that a long time ago with film, but, uh, I just, I, I just can't see myself or ever adding something to the picture that just wasn't there. You know, minimal removing things, power lines, 
uh, fire hydrants, car, you know, not cars, but like, you know, a, pe- a person who walks in the picture, stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a line somewhere and it's always something I, I'm, I'm aware of and, you know, try not to, to cross that. Hey, Jack, Jack, I'd like to jump in and say you did a talk one time that said, I don't care about my images. I don't. And you, went, and you went back and you focused on the process of taking the image and the thrill of making the image and the thrill of being there. And that's one set of circumstances where if you have a commercial image, that's a, that's another set of circumstances. But, you know, the, the, the biggest thrill is to capture something in the camera that you don't have to manipulate. And, and that went back to your talk, like, you know, you don't, don't care that much about the final process, uh, image, you Perfect. care about the process. Yeah, I think where Mike was going, though, and it's very valid, it's, you know, it's a personal thing. You know, it's whatever whatever you're comfortable with. And I'm just curious what you guys are comfortable with. Neil, what are you comfortable with? Yeah, so, um, you know, I look at photography as, uh, as an art. Not, not a lot of people do, as fine art anyway, but... For me, it's it's about the emotional response you're trying as a photographer. You're trying to evoke from the person looking at the image. Not only do you get personal satisfaction out of it, but what is the personal or the emotional response you're trying to get from somebody who's looking at your image? And and to the extent that you're manipulating or changing or editing the the photograph to capture a response because you couldn't get it in the field for some reason or you failed to get it in the field for some reason, I think you, you need to disclose that. Um, I, I think there's a scale. You know, Somebody said earlier, you know, there's a, we're all in the spectrum someplace. I think that it's a sliding scale. If I'm shooting, you know, for me personally, if I'm shooting sports, I shoot a lot of sports, track or you know, college sports, things like that. The, the axis I have as an amateur is not the same as a sports um, sports illustrated photographer. So, while I would love to be able to get a full frame picture of of a athlete, I might have to crop it in some, and that might be twenty percent. That might be more. If I can if I can do that and get the emotional response of the viewer of seeing the action that I'm trying to capture, then I'm okay with doing that. But if someone asks me how did you get that? I'll say, well, I was, I had to sit in the stand, so I had to crop in some, I'll, I'm happy to do that. I think that, you know, other, other editing techniques, my personal rule, cause I'm kind of like Mike, I, I don't like to spend a lot of time in Photoshop or Lightroom. If for me, if I have to spend more than a couple minutes, two to five minutes, let's say in a uh, edit mode, then I failed to get the, the picture I wanted to get for whatever reason, it might be my own follow. I just didn't have the access to do it. Um, so I, I love, I'm, I'm kind of like what we were talking about earlier, the kind of the chase. If I can get, if I can get the, the actual picture, then, uh, great. I'm happy to do it. But if I need to spend a couple minutes of cleaning up, you know, um, creepers or something like that, then I'll do it and I'll let people know it. Thank you, Neil. How about, uh, how about Tom? You there, Tom? Yeah, I'm here, Jack. Yeah, I I think uh, I'm more along the lines of Neil and and all the other guys. And uh, I I think one of the things that uh, for me is that photography is an art. And and like Neil said, a lot of people don't consider that. Uh, Painters created whatever it was that they wanted to see. But for some reason, when people take a photo, they feel like it has to be real because it was capturing something that was there in front of you. Um, So I – 
you know, like to try and capture that uh, e emotion and get that picture, I'm not going to change skies. I'm not going to, uh, you know, put things in that don't exist. Uh, but I will say that, that some of my favorite things I like to see, at least from other photographers, uh, is the exposure blending to get that uh, dynamic range and get that feeling. I mean, I feel like that that's something you're never going to be able to capture with a straight shot. So you have to do some some processing in that. Yeah, there's there's some hardware limitations to your point, Tom. Which I think which I think you're right. I think our eyeballs see more than our camera can capture. And that's that's some arguments I've heard from some folks is I'm I'm trying to bring it back to what my eyes saw or what my brain saw, what I interpreted that can't be captured in one shot in the camera. So I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I've always I've always been a fan too of of painting. And um so there's something to those techniques that uh you know I, I love to see painterly photos and some of those have to be manipulated, some of those are created by the light that you're in if it's uh, low contrast right um so uh like i say I, I i don't believe in just faking a photo i don't want to see a super moon behind uh you know yosemite if that couldn't happen peter lick <laughs> no sorry i just had to throw that one in uh-oh, we might have lost Jack a little bit. So we'll just keep going on this one. You know, uh, um, who are we missing here? Who hasn't gone yet? Doug Haynes. I was going to say, speaking speak of California and Yosemite, uh, Doug is amazing Yosemite stuff. Doug, give us your view, okay? Well, listening in, I think uh, a lot of us have similar stories. I, I probably spend no more than a couple minutes on an image if I do – like Neil said, I, think I, I did it wrong, I'm sure. But also thinking about it, it's like I have no problem taking things out, but I have a problem putting things in. And I'm not sure if that's a rational argument or not. I just was doing a night shoot last week, and last shot of the day, last one I could do, and some duck pops out of the water right in front of uh, where I was shooting. And for some reason, I have no problem cropping that out or, if, or uh, contenting away or whatever, getting that out. But... On the other hand, I would never put a duck in a picture. So I'm not sure where the, the line is there, but um, that's generally how I approach things. I, I think, Neil, I mean, uh, the, the, the line is where you want it to be. And, and yep. uh, you know, again, just say what you did, you know. And, and uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to let John rail on this little walk because he's got some great points. So I just want to challenge you all for a minute. I don't really need an answer. You can if you like. But um, I, I, when's the last time we've seen, a, you know, a realistic photograph? Very, very, un, un, not very often. You know, I mean, we don't see silky water, but we all like, not all of us, some of us like silky water. We photograph with a 24 millimeter lens. Our eyes see about 50 millimeters. So, are we depicting realism? Um, you don't want to add skies in, and I, 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 I don't think I ever will, but we manipulate skies all the time. We, we use a graduated filter. We add contrast to bring out, you know, features. So I guess what my point is, is that the manipulation and the deception is 
you know, I guess there, sh there could be better terms than that. And it, it's to the extent that one wants to do that. Very few images are realistic. Mine, as well as anybody else. I'll add, you know, Norton effect or glamour glow. A lot. And I'll do a lot of different other things that are manipulative. And I have no problem with that. I think where we come into agreement, as far as I heard, John, tell me if I'm wrong, everybody has a problem with adding major features that weren't in the image in the first place. To begin I with, think, yep. I think we need, all need to learn to look at images as art and not as a, a something a product. That, it's photojournalism. Because it is it's not photojournalism. John, it's all yours. Jack. Jack, I, I'd agree, except I'd add, if if they add something in and they disclose they added it in because it's now a photo illustration, I'm fine with that. You know what? I'm not disclosing silky water because when you look at silky well, water. Yeah. You, you don't well, add silky water in, though, right? No, you capture like, it that way. I did it, I'll tell you how I did it. But stuff that we, 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 we you know, we photographers and. And and other folks, if they want to know it, I'll be happy to tell them. But I'm not right. going. You know, I'm not going to sit there and list everything I did to a photograph. But that's absurd. But uh, um, you know, I think we all need to learn how to look at images as art and not as photojournalism. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah in, the, in the circles that we sometimes, right? So go ahead. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, sorry, John. I was saying even photojournalism, you you can see today where they have, you know, the published photograph, but then you see a behind the scenes picture, and it's it's very different than the context they're trying to accommodate. So it's very hard to even tell what's real there. That's because most of the photojournalism that's going on is not being done by photographers. They're being done. <laughs> you can make send it into a TV station, be a star. Uh, John, let, let me let, I know you have a few things to say on here, and I know we're we're looking at some time. Oh, uh, we no, gotta, no, we're good. Yeah, but I want, to, I want people to hear your input because it's really valid. Well, I think a uh, couple of thoughts that, that come to mind as we're talking about realism. Um, you know, re, what is – I'll get deep on everybody and say what is reality? You know, reality is our perception of our environment around us. My reality is very different than yours, Jack, and yours, Neil, and yours, Tom, and Chris. And, you know, my reality is very, very different. How I see a scene is very different, my reality, than yours, Jack. You know, standing next to, um, standing next to a photographer in the same spot, taking a picture of the same subject and following that all the way through post-production and you'll get two very different interpretations of the same scene. And that's our natural human filters that are being put on top of it. It's all of our life experiences. It's our personal preferences, our artistic preferences, our skill in our um, post-processing techniques, our skill in our capture, hardware limitations. All of those things go in to create this 2D representation that we call art, or that we call an image. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I'll even challenge the notion of what is reality. I think that there is a, uh, because of that, there's sort of a, this fuzzy line around when I click the shutter button and capture a scene, I, I want to be relatively faithful to what I saw. 
as an artist, can I do some artistic embellishment? Can I play with saturation? Can I change the color temperature of it? In my book, sure. Can I take things out like twigs and seagulls and other stuff that detract from the overall composition? In my book, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. You know, I'm not comfortable adding things in, and I would agree with everybody else that I'm not going to replace a sky. I'm not going to put a stuffed cougar on top of a bear with an eagle on top of it just to make the image cool. You know, that's not something that's that's within my limits. Um, you know, for me, I think I think with some of the comments that really resonated with me, I think that each image is different in its own way, and my level of wanting to manipulate that is different for each image. What's the purpose? What's the subject? What were the limitations when I shot it? All of those things go into my sliding scale of how much will I process this image. Uh, I might be a little different than a lot of the other folks there where I do, uh, I don't mind being in post-processing for a while. I'll spend five minutes, I'll spend 30 minutes, I'll spend an hour sometimes on an image just to get it as right as I want it to be for my interpretation of what I saw. And that was my reality. Um, you know, there, there's been an article going around on uh, some of the photo websites about this Instagrammer who got busted quote unquote, by using the same sky in all of her Instagram influencing pictures from around, around the world. It's this nice blue sky with puffy clouds. And they've seen that same sky in, in multitudes of pictures. And she got quote unquote busted for that. And the whole point of, of this person's post is not the sky. It's not artwork. It's about lifestyle. That's what kind of picture it is. So I think when we talk about manipulation, yeah. go ahead John, I was just going to chime in. If if we're talking about an Instagram influencer and worried about what they post and what's reality, Instagram influencers are not paid or not rewarded for or reality. They're, they're not rewarded to sell whatever they're trying to influence. No, no. They're but, not, right? but we also need to make the distinction when we talk about photo manipulation, what's the purpose? What's the point? What's the avenue? What's the channel? Yeah. To Chris's point, is it business or pleasure that I'm shooting this? Exactly, and, and that's what I was trying to get at with, with what is the emotional response you're trying to get from the, the viewer, and are yeah. you manipulating that in order to get that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what I said about art in that photography is treated very differently than any other media, right? If it was a painting, what would people matter, right? But because you're taking a picture of something, people have a different expectation of what you're representing. Yeah, you're right, well, Tom. Yep. I would agree. But again, you know, I think the one thing I hear from everybody here is that what we're attempting to do is art. I hate hearing the word art, 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 art. And, you know, I would encourage everybody. I think all you guys, I know you, you all do this. Um, you're all trying to make your, put your own stamp on whatever you're, whatever you're bringing to the table that other people may look at. Um, if that's important that other people, you know, look at your work, which for most people it is. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, again, those of us that are here, you know, we're not 25 years old and we're not 30 years old. I think most of you, not all of you, are younger than I am. And, 
you know, we like somebody said, you know, we're used to seeing having different views on life than a 25 or a 30 year old person. Um, I also think a lot of the software that's coming into our hands these days really is more time saving than uh, than anything else. It does add, you know, add to our our life that we don't have to sit and process for nine days. Some of the things are being done for us quite well. And, you know, just do what you want to do. It's, it's all good. You know, and, I mean, I, I'm, I think we've all been known to take rusty cars and make them look 10 times older and what have you uh, at times. And it's all good. But I think I know you guys were all here probably and it would agree. Just, we'll just say what we did. Um, anybody else? I, I, I think, well, Jack, you know, one one thought to share just on this manipulation was you were talking about rusty cars. I thought, you know, I shoot a lot of those things in black and white or in monochrome. Is changing, uh, you know, where is the, where does this line start? Is it at the point of capture? If I capture a raw image that's color and convert that to monochrome, is that where the that. line starts for this evaluation? Oh. You, we, there's a whole litany. In fact, I just wrote a blog article on this today. There's a whole litany of things that we're not used to seeing. And, uh, you know, I go back to the water. I go back to, the, you know, the enhanced skies and, and a 10-stop neutral density filter to make a 30-second exposure. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? No. It's great. Just say what you did. Yeah, yeah I, well, think it's, I think it's Here's all. another example. I mean, I mean, if you're presenting it as this is fine art and you altered everything, that's 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 a different thing than, you know, presenting it, you know, untouched or whatever. And and presenting it as like, here, here's a commercial image. I made it look great for you. I mean, it, it's two things. You, you, you almost have to express your intent. Yeah, I agree. But I think for the most part, what, what I'm talking about and uh, hopefully everyone. You know what we're what we're talking about here is landscape photography as a, as an art form, and um, you know again just just go to some of the the good publications and the good um, good sites and look at people's work, and every one of them has been enhanced in some way, mm-hmm. and it's okay just to have your bounds. Uh, and and know some people are probably going to appreciate it, and some aren't. And somebody might say, "Man, how do you get that water to look that way?" You know, and, and just and, and be able to stand up and, and say uh, what you did. You know? wanna... That's actually, you know, in, in some of the the classes I've taught and 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 led, Jack. That's probably like the number one question that people want to know: How do you make your water look like cotton? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's simple. You know, just to th- hopefully not to throw a, a beehive in the in the conversation, but I just went out to 500px, which I hadn't yeah. been to in a long, long time, and just scrolled down the front page. Take it, Cedric first. Oh my gosh! Every single image has been processed within an inch of its life, and they all look like digital art because they've been processed so heavily. And even though they didn't replace the sky, let's say they didn't do a lot of stuff, but they have processed every single square pixel in that image. And it looks, in my opinion, not like a photograph. And that's, it's, you said exactly the right thing, John. That's your opinion. Yes. And if, you know, the, if that's what the artist wanted to do, 
then that's fine. I just have a theory that people who get caught up in 500px just automatically know what they're looking for and they sliders to the right, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on purpose. That's a great point, though. I mean, I, I uh, am lucky to get uh, called to judge a lot of local competitions, and I, I, I think there's a new category. I think we ought to have a category of straight out of the camera. Well, you know, if if I'm actually toying with the idea, and I know you guys are going to think I'm out of my mind. I don't know if it's going to float with my clients. I, I want to start seeing raw files and image critiques. Because, A, I'm not concerned. I'm not teaching processing. If I'm teaching processing, fine. Then we need to talk about it. But I'm not really not teaching processing. I'm teaching composition and technique. I don't know how that would go over. I think a lot of people might take that the wrong way. I think it's fascinating. I think that's, I mean, that shows real skill. I think you get a lot lot less people willing to share their stuff because they look at the raw file and it, I mean, just by definition, raw is is raw and they don't want to share that, you know? I I agree with you. And that's why I'm, 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 I'm really having second thoughts on it. I'd love to do it. And maybe, maybe the thing to do would be to do it for, you know, one, one review. One review. Yep. But, um, yeah. You know, I think that, uh, you know, people want to process their images so they look the way they hopefully want them to look when they made the photograph. I mean, you got to think about uh-huh. how you process the image when you make the photograph, I, I think. So, John, this is Dudley. Uh, they touched on it. So how does this discussion play into all the photo contests you see and stuff? I mean, because... You know, it's turning to be just as objective whoever's looking at it. If that that's probably okay, but you know what their standards are might get applied to your picture, which is different from your standards. And so, uh, it seems to me that you know, getting photo contests is very uh, suspect at best these days. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, every contest has their own set of rules, and every contest has their own set of judges. And oftentimes you don't know what criteria those judges are looking for or what matters to them. Um, Same thing with photo clubs that do critiques and contests within the clubs. Um, Each one of them does their own deal. And if you don't know who you're submitting it to, you don't know how your image is going to get judged at all. I think two or three of the last five BBC Wildlife photo contest, which is a very prestigious contest, have been found to be uh, manipulated and highly manipulated in adding a wolf jumping a fence. And I think the last one, they did something with this anteater that wasn't there. So I don't know what it was. But, you know, that's life. That's life. Yeah, everybody, everybody's trying to get a competitive edge to, to win those things. And it for me personally, it's something I stay away from. That's another podcast, this competitive stuff. That's another subject. Um, anybody, uh, we, who have we heard from? Doug, you there? You still, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Well, yeah. I, was just, I, I was just thinking while you guys were talking about how arts changed over, the, over, over years, you know, how Good painting point. styles of changes and how back to, I mean, I'm not an art expert, but to go to some museums and look at the art, the paintings and so hardly recognize what it is, yet the artist had some interpretation. And I wonder if photography is kind of going through the same, through through kind of the same transition, if you will. Interesting. I think any art goes through that same transition, be it music or photography or painting. I don't, I don't just do it all. 
Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, just speaking of music, Chris, thank you. You know, you think about where we went um, when the synthesizer was invented. Yeah, I'm old. But, you know, kind of back in the 70s and 80s, how what a metamorphosis it, it had in the music that was being created. And the same thing happens, I think, transitioning from digital to film, where we're still experiencing that kind of metamorphosis, as well as cultural norms with um, social media and what's acceptable and what's not in our collective conscience out there. I had a metamorphosis when I had Fuji <laughs> Belvia, by the way. Yeah, metamorphosis. I think, you're, I think you're exactly right, because, I mean, you go from uh, cave drawings with charcoal to the invention of all kinds of paints and yeah. colors. So technology is always going to have an uh-huh. effect on the art. It will. It will. The, the, sad, the sad part to me is when we see a really legitimate, good fo- photograph and we doubt it because we're start so questioning. used to seeing. Yeah, we start questioning yeah. people's real yeah. accomplishments because we see so much fake yeah. stuff out there. Yeah, it's well, sad. Yeah, true. I'll make one more comment, and then I think it's time to let everybody say something and get out of dodge here. But I think that it's a sad uh, point when we have really good equipment, equipment that does unbelievable things, and that allows some people to be, you know, call themselves artists and to do things that really takes uh, it takes away from some of the skills that, that you need to be an, an accomplished uh, uh, craftsman in, in what we're doing here. And that's just the matriculation. It's the way it's been in everything. Towns went away when the tractor came along. And it's just the way things are. And, uh, you know, I think you just got to kind of accept that and do your own thing and shoot for yourself and have a great time doing it. That's what we're all trying to do. Yeah. You know, I think, I think one point we haven't touched on, we did just a little bit, Neil, you talked about it, but maybe we haven't heard from Mike in a while either, but you know, when you think about cropping an image and versus composing it well in the field, you know, there's, there's limitations, access limitations, let's say where to Neil's point where you have to crop something, but you know, just real quick around the loop, how much of an image is okay to crop out versus not? You hear a lot of people say, well, I got a, I got a D850, so I got a lot of room to crop a lot of stuff and still have a great image. That's not the point of what we're trying to do here, at least in my opinion. So how much is too much in cropping? 10%, 5%, 20%, 50%? I'm putting my mic on mute, folks. <laughs> John, John I'll, I'll go on that. I, yeah, because you reference a, a something I said earlier. I, I think it the the scale slides to how much could you get in the field? If you could get the the picture you wanted in the field by walking a little bit one way or the other, or closer or back, whatever. I, I think the acceptable amount in my in my book, right, that I would be satisfied with, is very small. But if you know, the NCAA tells me I can't get on the field because I'm not with Sports Illustrated or Getty, then if I have to crop 20% to get a decent frame-filled picture of an athlete, I'm okay doing that. That's why. That's what I meant. It, it's kind of a sliding scale yeah. in my book, in my, in my mind. That's, my, that's how I'd respond to that. Well, my, my, my comment would be also that how many of us are going to take the time to change the aspect ratio in the camera to actually get an exact representation of what you're looking for 
So I'm okay changing aspect ratios, you know, in software because that's the most efficient place to do it. Yeah, Doug, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, there's there's times where you simply can't move because you're constrained by the proportions of the of what's in the viewfinder. Where you can't you could move in and and you've got something creeping in from the left or the right, but if you you know move in a little further to avoid that, then you're too tight top to bottom. So um, I think that's one of the the valid places where you we where you might need to crop. I'd have to echo what Neil says. It depends on your subject matter. I mean, it, it, being an athlete or, like say, I'm a bird photographer, you get a puffin in flight that's the size of a football traveling 60 miles an hour to try to get that guy in the frame, you're going to have to crop some. Oh, for but sure. If I was, yeah. you know, looking at a mountain that's standing still, I can, I can certainly adjust my position to, to make it. Exactly. I, I agree with everything. I would also add that, you know, too often we see people out in the field that don't take those two or three steps that don't go through the effort of changing the lens. Let's change the let's let's get the right lens on the camera for the shot that I'm trying to do. Too often people are lazy and say, oh, "I'll just crop it and post." And it's yeah. all it's all. I sound a little bit like Jack, but it's all a little bit about the 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 artistry while you're capturing this image is use all the tools in your, in your uh, quiver to capture it the best you can in the field. So you don't have to do these things. Yeah. That's what I was going to add, John was uh, about changing lenses, right? So one of the things a, a great photo instructor told me was, uh, you know, wide angle lenses are great for including everything and you have to figure out what you want to include and you can use a telephoto lens like a surgeon's scalpel. What do you want to cut out, right? So that's so instead of trying to necessarily crop, if we're talking just landscape photography, it is using those those tools, right? That's what makes you the craftsman. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Tom. Thank you. All right, Jack, you can come off and mute now. <clears throat> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. For those no, of you no, that, that was a compliment to you, Jack. Yeah, for I those know. of you that have never. Been with Jack and and his rants on cropping. Uh, it's a treat. <laughs> and, and again, it's my opinion. And, yeah. And, and and don't ever you know tell the wrong people this, but you know I mean it doesn't mean I'm I'm right. It just happened to be my 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 level of what's photo art and what's a photograph. And I still go back to this artist thing. You know we we. Jeez, we walk around with 400 millimeter lens. Is that realistic? Come on, it's not, you know. But it is what it is, and we're trying to depict what we're trying to depict. It's our art, and let's just eliminate one less thing from our society where we have to, you know, like debate people and tell them they're worthless because they do this and that and the other thing. So, anyhow, can can we agree on one thing though that? Uh... HDR is just an abuse of, of technology. It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> Can we do a podcast on HDR and how, how just terrible that is? I will Please. tell you that it, the term HDR, it's a really horrible, it's, you know, it, 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 it's really a horrible term. And, uh, you know, if you need to blend an image or two and that's what you want to do, Say that's what you did, and 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 do it. But you know, it's. Um, I mean, I, I never really got into it because I never really got good at it, and I didn't think it was, you know, and what have you. And that's a whole other subject. But it's a good point. Um, it is manipulative. 
But then again, you know, almost every image that I've processed in the last week has been manipulated. Sorry, folks. I'd say, though, that most people that are confident in their photography, say a macro photo that had 25 stacked images, if the fella or, or, or person is is confident or confident in their photography, they'll they'll say it. Like I made this image out of twenty five stacked images. Of course, yeah, of course. Of I think course. that's the bottom line. Yeah. Well, anyhow, uh, gentlemen, I, I just thought it would be cool for our um, our listeners to hear from just some good photographers who have different um, opinions, like the man in the street, that kind of thing. Uh, John, what do you think? Are you, um, are you, uh, have anything to end up with here today? No, I think a lot of things. I, you know, my hope is that, is that, uh, what, a little bit of what everybody heard today, I hope you can identify with some of that, form your own opinions. If you want to share your own opinions on uh, to Jack and I, please send us an email at wetalkphoto at gmail.com, and we will uh, try to address them in an upcoming episode for sure. But, you know, I think, I think we really covered the goose pretty well with this one, Jack. I think uh, it was great to hear more than just our own opinions. It's, it's folks that are amateurs, hobbyists, professionals, um, everybody's sort of talking about this subject. And we didn't solve we didn't solve it. We didn't answer well, it. It's never going to get solved. And no. that's part of why what makes the world go around, and it's all good. Um, I, I personally want to thank all you guys. I know it's uh, some of you are on the East Coast, and it's quite late, and uh, you're busy and what have you. But I'd like to thank you all for being here. Um, I look forward to getting together as soon as we can. Uh, be fun, I know. Um, uh, there's some things coming up, what have you. But again, thank you all for being here. It's been been our pleasure to yes. have you. And John, until uh, a later date, I will say, see ya. Sayonara, everybody. Have a great night. Goodbye. Okay. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. See you guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for having me.